Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Introducing the Corner Booth, a football podcast covering the latest trends and news in college football and the NFL. Here are your hosts, Jared and Mark. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corner Booth Podcast. Big show today. Zion and the Duke Blue Devils snuck by by the skin of their teeth. Got a bunch of college basketball talk. Mike Trout, of course, we weren't back. We missed the show last week, so we got to talk about Mike Trout signing literally the biggest deal in sports history. And then, of course, we've got, oh, God, no more spikes. Gronk's retiring, a couple, another, uh, and Eagles greats retiring as well. Big show today. Let's get rocking and rolling. Mark Rundown's up first. Let's hit it. Yeah, let's get in the rundown. We're going to go dive into the rundown before we get into all this March Madness talk. And we'll start off with just a little AAF and Johnny Football making an appearance. He was mic'd up, uh, saying some good quality, entertaining things, because I think he's more entertaining than he is athletic sometimes. Um, Came in uh, at the end of the second quarter, got a drive in. Obviously, didn't play the whole game just because – He's Dude hasn't played in forever. For yeah, but three for five, 48 yards, two rushes, a little bit of a entertaining scramble. Johnny Football, man, rocking the number two. He's back. I I, I like it, and it's it, it makes me want to root for the Memphis Express a little bit, even though like the, like you know it's so funny about the AAF, and I know some of you, some of our listeners haven't really watched again. It, it's it's hard to view, but CBS actually just picked them up apparently, which is big news for them. So, like, a lot of networks are actually starting to grab it because of, like, the March, like, between March Madness and, um, like, before March Madness starts and after the Super Bowl, there's this, like, dead period. And CBS, their ratings tanked. So, they're like, yeah, let's get this. Because, honestly, and this is – don't hockey fans, and I hate me for this, more people watch the AAF than they will watch an NHL game. That has that is meaningless. Once playoffs start, that's a completely different story. But right now – because this report actually I was listening to the herd last week and they were talking about it. But honestly, this is great. The AAF, I think this is the first season they're gonna have struggles. But I think next year, with if even next week, if Johnny Menzel starts, dude, it's gonna be actually a decent ratings. I guarantee it. So the only problem great. next year is XFL is coming at the same time. So. I guarantee it's gonna blow up. That's why I re, I re, I rescinded my application because I live near their headquarters. It's only about 45 minutes from my house, and. I literally had an application and I rescinded it because I'm like, I don't think this is going to last longer than 20 minutes and I don't want to lose my job. So there you go. Um, also, I just don't feel like working for WWE Incorporated. So, um, but yeah, uh, AAF, Johnny Football back. That's the first topic. We're going to stick with some football. Actually, for most of the rundown, we, you know, we're football guys here. So we'll talk about a little. They decided the opening game of the season, the 2019-2020 season, is going to be a great rivalry in the Packers and Bears. There's a bunch of hoopla about it because the Patriots hoopla. aren't in it, and it's usually supposed to be the Super Bowl defending champs that play in it, and they had to the Roger Goodell doesn't want it, blah, blah, blah. I'm okay with it. Packers and Bears start off the season. It's pretty solid, if you ask me. 
and I, I like it too. Because um, honestly, I'm looking at the pit. We can even we can plug our mock draft, which actually just got dropped today. But um, the Patriots, like, it's going to – oh, I, I honestly see for ratings-wise it makes sense because last year's Packers-Bears opener was great. Yeah, Rodgers. Rodgers getting hurt, coming back. Rodgers getting hurt. Like, Khalil Mack essentially scoring, like, like just being a monster for the first half and running out of gas. And then Rodgers orchestrating a great comeback. And Randall Cobb was probably the greatest catch of his life, literally just accelerating past an entire defense. I think that'll be more entertaining than watching the Patriots beat up on somebody they beat up last season. And watching Sonny Michelle get 35 touches and Edelman and Hogan getting about six catches each, and that's it. The Patriots are going to be boring as hell next year. I, I guarantee that. Now that Gronk's gone, they're going to literally just run the football, and then Bray's going to make key passes. And it's not going to be entertaining whatsoever. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's I like the matchup. I, I think it's going to be fun. Of course, go Bears because, God, I can't stand Aaron Rodgers. But, um, yeah, I like it. So um, I do love how our, it's like when it comes to us and quarterbacks, we are just for some reason naturally the opposite. It's like I'm not a, like a, I'm not like a die. I'm not like a huge Rodgers fan, but I just like for some reason I've liked him, I guess, because he beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl that year. Um, but I think it's just good just because the Packers and the new look without McCarthy, the Bears. Are they going to start off 0-1 against the Packers because it's now going to be a healthy Packers and who knows what they do in the draft? And it's like, did the Bears have like a Jaguars fluke year? All that kind of stuff. So that's um, you know what's such a good point. I didn't even think about the Bears having a fluke year because like everyone in the division except for the Vikings got better. Yeah. So. And that kinda, doesn't even mean the Vikings won't be good just because they do have a good team. Oh, uh, the Vikings are just mediocre. Well, I'm just saying that's a tough division, and and then the Lions, who knows what they'll do. So hey, don't don't tell Mike that he's he's a, he's a long time sufferer. <laughs> oh, we uh, well, it's funny because Mike should be moving on to the Browns bandwagon, being a uh, Ohio State guy. But what are you gonna do? He's loyal. I will give him he's that. Loyal. Um, he's loyal. Um, yeah, but so yeah. The next one, and I'll I'll jump ahead on this one is uh Gronk is officially retired. The news came in yesterday around 6.30 or so. And I'm going to say I'm not surprised because I've been saying he's going to retire all offseason and everyone thought I was crazy. But, um, I mean, good you know, good for him not, like, going. well, they were talking about this good morning football this morning. Good for him going out on top. Like, he, won, he just won his third Super Bowl. And he able, was able to play an entire season. Yeah, he looks slower and more beat up, but he still finished. And he's, you know, he's going to be able to him and him and his uh, future wifey Camille are just going to go off right off of the sunset, partying their asses off until they're tired. I mean, this is the way Gronk wants to go out. Um, the dude's body just so beat up after. You know, it's the best way for him. I didn't want to see as much as I don't dislike the Patriots. I always lo- had a little love for Gronk just because you know. He's life of the party kind of guy, and he, um, you know, it, it's kind of good to see him not get just get his body taken apart as he keeps playing. And so this is, I think, the perfect way for him to go out. I it, it felt weird because there was everyone like you said, like you kind of had a, an idea because it was almost retiring last year, and then he's getting beat up again this year. And they win the Super Bowl, he makes a huge catch. Um, it, I kind of felt I was like upset. Like Gronk is, like Gronk is awesome football. 
and I enjoyed watching them. I mean, obviously, I don't mind it because the Patriots won't have them anymore. But I don't think this is the end of Gronk. Even uh, Howie Roseman said, I believe, on Get Up this morning that he is retired as of now. or it's something weird. The wording was weird. And I think if the Patriots are cruising or not cruising or something, they need the tight end like eight games in a season or something, he would come out of retirement and play like eight games without having to go through a training camp, without having to go through that. I think he would do it, but it depends on how the Patriots season goes. I... So he's not going to yeah. go back for any other team. Like he's well, not going to go back. For oh yeah, no, I, I I seriously think he's done, done. Because one, I'm going to tell you right now, and I was I was doing a lot of brainstorming last night. I was thinking like you know this is what happens when when you leave me alone to think in my thoughts and actually go full football nerd about football. I thought about this. What is the Patriots offense last year relied on Gronk? The only reason they scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl was that long throw to Gronk, correct? Yeah. What they have no deep threats. Brady's arm is just getting weaker and weaker, and they're going to have to rely on Sony Michelle so much next year running the football. I, I'm kind of feeling like if a team figures out a way to be able to pack the box, but not pack the box, like you know, like take away the intermediate and short routes, but keep Michelle bottled up, the Patriots don't have anything to beat teams that have the speed and athleticism to cover the receivers. So to me. I think, and I, I know every year I fucking say this, and every year I'm semi-proven wrong, but this year I actually have, there's some legitimate, like, thought to this. Because I went in my head, I'm like, there's three or four teams in the AFC who have the most athletic enough secondaries to take away that kind of offense. And to me, I don't see the Patriots making it back to the AFC title game next year unless teams, you know, shoot themselves in the foot which teams semi find themselves to do against New England all the time, <coughs> like <coughs> Kansas City. Um, but I just, you know, I look at the tail of the tape. I look at what the Patriots' offense was last year. They relied a lot on Sony Michelle in the playoffs, even in the Super Bowl. And I think that was a preview of what we're going to get this season. And I'm saying it's not unbeatable. The Rams just were such chickens and. They could not play their offense. If the Rams played their game, they would have won by three touchdowns. But the problem is Sean McVay literally was playing checkers and Belichick was playing chess. He just had him beat from the second he walked in the door. So I it it I think Gronk is done. And also, by the way, if you add up all the numbers, and Kyle Brandt posted it, figured this out this morning, if you add up all the numbers Gronk references in his farewell letter, equals 69. There you go. I know. I saw that and heard that. I was like, what a, like, what a way to go out. Because it even sounded like not that – it didn't sound very professional, which is – I would never want it to sound professional. No, it's wrong. Like, it's not like – it's not like Tom Brady or Malcolm Jenkins or one of these, like, professional ambassadors of football kind of guys going on. It's fucking Gronk. Gronk is literally the human version of a part what, – what did they say? It was – um. What what did they I was watching like Good Morning Football this morning, but uh on my day off. But it was like um Stifler's personality in somebody's body. Oh crap, I can't think of it right now. But it was it was just like it was perfect. Like it was like the perfect analysis to this guy. And honestly, Gronk, I will give it this. He's a top five all time tight end. I still put Gonzalez and Gates ahead of him. Possibly Winslow, but I don't know. I think Winslow kinda eh. I think, you know, I, I'm gonna go with Definitely. I'll put Gronk third all-time for tight ends. 
as much um, as I and people want to remember my argument that I said he wasn't the best tight end anymore. That was current year. I'm not I'm not Max Kellerman uh, Max <laughs> Kellermaning myself. You jackass. I you just turned that into an here. adjective. I love it. Uh, you ha- see, you have me thinking now. I'm not going back on my take. I'm saying all time for body of work, for titles, for touchdowns, everything else. I mean, maybe Jason Witten I put ahead of him too, but it depends on how crappy of a year he has this year. But um, I don't know. I think I'm putting Gronk at one just because of the impact that he made. Oh, 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 oh you sell out. <laughs> I have what. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna make him third, and I think he's one of the like, if not the greatest, I'm saying he's the greatest, I guess, by saying he's one. But he's when he was healthy, he's easily one like the greatest tight end. But that's the asterisk that puts him at two or three is that when he was healthy. I'm saying he's the greatest tight end to ever play the position. He's the most dominant tight end to ever play the position. He could block better than like right tackles. I know. I'm saying he's the most dominant tight end possibly ever to walk the planet. But the problem was he couldn't stay healthy, which is knocking him down two spots. He's still greater than the 400 other guys who have played tight end for more than two years in the NFL. But I'm saying is there's two guys I put over him. And I think hit like we are still caught up in this, the emotion of him still playing. It's um, caught up in the um, prisoner of the moment rankings. I still put him third behind Gates and Gonzalez. I will stick to that until I go in the ground because Gates and Gonzalez literally made it possible for guys like Gronk to dominate in the NFL because they changed the position. They did. They, I just, it's a shame he wasn't healthier, but I'm still not going to hold if that he back. Played, if he played two of those nine years more than he did healthy, he'd, I'd put him ahead of him. I would. But it's because of how many games he missed. And it's freaking it's saying, When he it's played, he was the best of a player. He was the most dominant tight end of all time. You will never get me changing my opinion on that. But the problem is he was not always on the field, which knocks his stock down to third all time, which is still great. That's where you would put Kobe Bryant in basketball. See what I did there? You'd put pot in for, for pitchers all time. You're, you're rocking what? Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens, Clayton Kershaw. Like that's like it's in it being third all time at a position in probably the greatest sport ever invented or one of the greatest sports ever invented is incredible. Who's the yeah. third greatest quarterback of all time? It's going to make what Manning Montana. Who, who, like, seriously, third Which greatest, I, wide receiver, third greatest wide is Terrell Owens, like or Randy Moss. So, I, I mean, what do you want? What do you want me to tell you? Like it's, there's, it's, it's not a bad place to third greatest safety of all time is Ronnie Lott. I mean, shit, like being third best at a position in a sport ever is still like, Mount Rushmore, crazy. So I love. I that's what I'm gonna stick it at. It works. It's fine. I just we just. I mean, I, you made some valid points. I'm not like gonna sit here and be like, no, dude, he's officially the best one ever because he definitely has some asterisks of why he wouldn't be. Um, but if we're talking about greatest at the position. We gotta be talking about Jerry Macklin when he was on one the of Eagles. the greatest Eagles receivers <laughs> of all time. I will give you that. He was. I mean, I wouldn't. He he's was up in there his with prime, that dude. He was almost. He was dangerous, if not more dangerous than Jackson downfield, because that dude could just break dudes' ankles on routes. He was just very. He was such such a good receiver, but nothing like. He would never do anything outrageous. Like he wasn't the flashy one. He, he kind of like. Kind of reminds me of like a like a Mari Cooper. Kind of reminds me. Of That's the same what I was just thinking. Player. Oh shit. Yeah, they, he kind of reminds the same type of player. Kind of quiet, 
Like, just plays but the game. If you literally let him slip by you, he could absolutely just roast you. Because he didn't really have like he was always good for the Eagles, but he didn't when he had, went into his contract year and he was playing out of his mind. I remember the the when the miracle of the Meadowlands when they even just caught that little screen pass and made sure he got in the end zone. It's it he was good. It's a shame that Jeremy, it didn't work out for him. After. I mean, he wanted too much money. I know he wanted like eleven or twelve million dollars. I don't knock a man for wanting more money for his family, but like that was also in the Chip Kelly era. So that, the dark yeah. the dark times. Um, but yeah, so Macklin, yeah, I, I was wondering, cause I remember last year, I think after last year and the Eagles didn't grab him, they grabbed Jordan Matthews instead. I think he was like, man, maybe I should, uh, maybe I, maybe my time's up in the NFL. Cause it's you like know, the Eagles would have taken him. I know. I mean, his, his best thing was he ran, okay, he ran good routes and he could just blow by people. But when you get to, you know, 31, 32, like there's very few receivers who can still just absolutely race by <laughs> the guys who I think of like, you know, like you got your Joey Galloway's now are Deshaun, like our era is Deshaun Jackson. The next generation is going to be, you know, 35 year old Tyreek Hill. If he can stay out of the law, trouble with the law, he's going to still be 35 blown by cornerbacks. But like you have to have like God gifted speed to be able to be a speed receiver in your thirties. And Jeremy Macklin was fast, but like, he wasn't fast enough where he can still blow by corners at 35. So, you know, he's what, 33, 31? Because he was same draft class as McCoy. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a good time. It was a fun time with those guys when we thought we had, like, the greatest young crew. When you think about it, Macklin and Jackson Macklin, and McCoy. Jackson, McCoy. And we were just – and it's crazy to think that we had Nick Foles with that group, which is wild. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's enough McCoy, really with Macklin. Mike, yeah, that also the Vic years. Oh God, man, that was a good time. Even though we never end up, the Eagles never win one. But we're gonna switch it up from football to a little basketball, and not college basketball. Yo, well, first off, can we just talk about Jeremy Lamb's like bank shot last night? Holy moly! I I forgot to mention that to you. What first a of call. all, shout you out. Call. I'm friends with him on Facebook too. Uh, back when we were in all high school in UConn, and like UConn won the title, everyone referred requested Kemba Walker and Jeremy Jeremy Lamb. So, yeah, but like, yo, like, what in the actual hell? I I watched this shot like five times. I could not believe it went in. And if I'm the Raptors, I'm just like, what the shit? I mean, the Raptors are gonna make the playoffs, but like, holy crap, I, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was. It's funny if you. I watched it probably about twenty times just because the call made by the announcer was. Uh, phenomenal. He was screaming off the top of his lungs, like. Well, I mean, you pure, at, at like, that point, like, you just turned to a fan of the sport. Yeah, it's exactly what you. Which do. is when the this is why, this is why we love our boy McAfee. Hashtag McAfee for MNF. Come on, fellas, um, and ladies. Uh, like literally, I'm just. This is why I love sports, and because like things like this happen, like it doesn't matter who you're rooting for. Like I mean, I didn't, could not give a rat's ass about either team, and. I just – it was great to watch. I literally was in a chat with a couple of the guys, a couple of our belly-up guys, Peter and Kevin might have been there. I'm not even sure. But I literally watched the shot four times. I'm like, Peter, you have to watch this. And he goes, he goes, holy shit. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was like fake for something. I'm like, wait, that was at the end of the game? I'm like, what? But I, I love it. it. Yeah, it looked like more like an end of a, a quarter or maybe even halftime because if you really watch it, 
you look at re- Kemba's reaction because Jeremy Lamb ran out like pretty much in the way of uh, Kemba, and he looked like he was kind of bummed. And then he, of course, bobbles it, goes behind half court as he's chucking it up. Kemba like turns around like in disgust, not even look at the shot go in. And then it goes in, and you just see freaking all of his teammates like attack him. Like it was, I it was so funny. Was Kemba awesome. and Kemba and Jeremy Lamb, the boys since they were 18, they played on UConn together. Yeah, they yeah. were the one-two guard punch on that UConn team, but. Like holy crap! Like it was. I couldn't believe when I saw, it. especially against the Raptors, that made me smile too. Uh, oh my but, god, you're such a hater. <laughs> what? I'm a Sixers fan. I know. I'm busting your stones. I'm uh, allowed to like them. I'm not like them. I love. I, I Raptors like the team. I, I I low key hope the Raptors keep Kawhi. So, <laughs> like, I'm I'm rooting for them a little bit. I want them to make a run because they're just a fun team to watch. There's only only one other team. I mean, I don't really want the Raptors to keep him, but I don't mind him on the Raptors. I don't hate the Raptors. I just don't want them to do well for Sixers purposes. But uh, I think I want the only place I'm okay with people going in the West is the Clippers. I just I'm just tired. I like I'm rooting so hard for this LeBron thing to completely implode. If you guys have not figured that out by the 15 rants I've gone on about it, I want a LeBronless NBA so bad. I want to see what it's like. I want yo like LeBron has made me root for Kevin Durant. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I will literally if Kevin Durant goes to like the Clippers or Knicks, I will be like on that way. I mean, I still root for my Wolves until like the dag on the ground, but like I'll be rooting so hard for the, for Kevin Durant to like you know win another title and legitimize himself. And if Durant wins a title in another team, I'll put him ahead of LeBron. I don't care what people think because he's got four titles. LeBron had very stacked teams as well. And Durant did not blow up a literally dynasty franchise. One of the greatest sports fans of all time, because he wanted some guy from, from New Orleans. So I'm, I'm like all about this Kevin Durant, and, like, the fact is that, like, I love a LeBronless NBA. So, I know we're going on a random rant right now, but, like, holy crap. When it comes to LeBron, it's very easy. It's very, when it comes to LeBron, my hatred of him as a basketball player is seething. And he's made – he brought it on himself. Because I rooted like hell for him when he was in Miami. Even when he won his first title in Cleveland. And then he left. And he's just become a super dick. And I'm just done with it. So, all right, what's up next before we go on another giant rant? Um, that's pretty much it for the rundown. I mean, we could talk mock draft that we just posted. Well, when you guys are hearing this, it's already up. It's uh, it, We'll probably post it more, get it out there tomorrow. We can talk about that if you want, or we can go. Yeah, right we'll, actually, you know, we'll run through it. There's a couple picks that I, I, I'm kind of – I, I want to explain my thinking here. And I actually – you know, so funny. You gave – we actually produced this last week, but because of – like. Mark and I's schedule actually worked out better as posting it this week. Well, and like, I, I mean, with the tournament, there's just with no the point. Nobody's, nobody really yeah, that's why I meant by schedule. That's why I meant to show on my bad. But yeah. there's a couple picks that I actually want to explain to myself. So I love when I met, we mentioned Josh Jacobs at 25 to Philadelphia. Josh, like I've had Josh to hear Jacobs. Jared talk, Josh Jacobs. And I, I, you literally wrote, mentioned me in the, in the actual paragraph saying, I've heard Jared reference this three times and I'm tired of hearing about it. So I might actually think it might happen. Well, it um, just, it, it really doesn't sound like a bad pick, but I also could see them snagging like, like my, like we both had greedy Williams right after it. And I could see them snagging him 
even though they just signed Darby or something like that, or maybe a tackle. There's so much depth at the corner position that just wouldn't seem like a Philadelphia move. That's the one position, like, we have almost too much depth at. Yeah, but just because we have depth doesn't mean it's very good depth. We're not, like, loaded. I mean, we have guys like... And we have Darby, who's an A-minus, and then we have, like, 30... I mean, Avante Maddox, who may honestly be an A-corner. We just got to give him another year. We have a couple B-minus guys. But, like, I don't know. I, I mean... I, and I, the other one was like drafting a replacement for Rodney McLeod. I'm like, I understand it. But then the Anderson, the Aho thing kind of put that in the back burner for yeah. a year. Yeah. So. But some of the. You have the Haskins are, falling to 11, which I, I have completely just, just stupid. <laughs> All right. So in my opinion, I've done mock drafts. I did them last year when I used to have it's always draft season. Uh, it was like my Twitter I used to run. But I always, my first one's always like. I'm not going to go as – I mean, I'm going to go with what I think is going to happen, but I'm also going to go with some, like, scenarios that I could see happening just because it's bound to change. I, I said I figured we'll do one more – we'll do two more. We'll do one in between. Like, we have a month until it, so we'll probably do another one in a couple weeks, and then we'll do one final one. Probably April end. for April, – April, like, second week of April, we'll do one probably. Yeah, and then we'll do one, like, literally right before the draft just because you got to do a final. Um, well, we might actually do a live podcast of me and Mark watching the first round. Of we should do like a periscope or something. That'd be kind of yeah. Funny. Or um, no, we might do IGTV maybe or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, so I just don't see like everything I've heard on Getamon. Maybe he's just trying to say all these things just because he wants to take Haskins. And then if Murray, I mean, if Murray doesn't go. I don't even, I don't know. I just feel like the Giants aren't interested in a quarterback this year, and I do give them a quarterback in Drew Locke towards the end of the draft, even though I wanted to put my boy Will Greer in there because – and you've been a big fan of him, as everyone should be. But he he's had at his pro ball. day – He's the gamer. Like, that's why I love Will Greer. But he's going to be one of those guys like Dak Prescott who has first-round talent but falls to the second round. Because he – his pro day went really well, and he, he said like 10 teams were interested in him, and he's rising. And I was thinking about giving like the Dolphins him, but I don't – I still don't know if he's going to sneak into the first round. If he does, I don't – It'd be I, like I, the Patriots grab him as a backup or like yeah. maybe um, Green Bay or maybe – can't no, I can't see uh, – Chargers maybe. That's the only uh, – Chargers is the highest I can see him going. Yeah, but I just don't see – a team picking a backup other than the Patriots in the first round. That's my theory. And I mean, even, even when you took Drew Locke at the Dolphins, like that's not a backup as in he's guaranteed to sit out because you have a starter. That's like a backup until he comes in because Fitzmagic. That's like a backup until Fitzmagic fades away. Like he does more every year. But Haskins, for some reason, I was doing the mock draft. I'm like going through and I had Josh Allen fall to the Giants. So I was like, all right, well, the Giants love drafting like edge rushers like yeah pierre paul you had um obviously strahan you had uh asiyu minura like they've always had a good edge guy so i was like i think they want to get that again and then jaguars he didn't need to go there no lions bills have a thing i'm thinking about broncos but there's no reason because i just don't see haskins being always kind of guy and then i just look at the Bengals. i said you know what i could see haskins rocking the orange and black and in the uh, Andy Dalton era, Zach Taylor is the new coach. He probably wants a young guy that can come in there instead of having to trying to trend. Like, what's the point of taking over Andy Dalton and it not working out? So if he Andy falls, Dalton's the, Andy Dalton's the quarterback equivalent of a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> That's exactly the car I have. <laughs> I have a Honda Accord, so I'm doing much better. 
You know, that Toyota, that's fair. I drive an Andy Dalton. I will I will take that and run with it. I, 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 I drive but a, I don't like Andy Dalton. I by drive like. a Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> but for some reason, man, I just, I, when Haskins was sitting there, because, I mean, he's not going to fall that far because somebody's going to trade up if it's, if he's even remotely at the 11. Even if it's a team that's already made a pick, you know they're going to try to trade him and get him again if they get, if he keeps falling. Like, that's, like, kind of the way it's been going. But, but like, the other team, I could so see. So, the other thing is, I'm, like, what if, um, the other thing I want to talk to you about also is um, your second pick. You really have Nick Bosa not going second? Uh, You really have... Quinn and Williams falling down to what would you have, Matt? Uh, nine. Yes. Yeah. Then that my my. I'm sorry that Quinn and Williams only went one in front of Nick Bosa, which if he would like, it's you can't even talk because you put Quinn and Williams at nine. I put Nick Bosa one off. I just looked did. at what the team's needs were, and I honestly like I looked at. I mean, I could also see like you know somebody like Detroit grabbing him at eight or Jacksonville at seven. So honestly, in my head, I could have done this better, but. No, the Jets would take him at three. But that, yeah, I know, but the Jets need an off to tackle so bad. Yeah, but I don't think Jawan Taylor's that like major. But that break. would be the Jets move. You have to realize that they're still the Jets. As That's why as it's one point But I'm not. I was like, you know what, Nick Bosa. I don't know. I mean, he didn't have the craziest numbers. He didn't uh, in the combine. He sat out half the year because of his abdominal injury. He's got a lot of red flags coming into this thing. And Quinn Williams is a guy that is a man child that, that is pretty. I mean, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see. I said you said D Ford makes sense. That was why Bosa should go there. I think D, D Ford, Ford going there makes sense. Why should holy crap as a pass rush? But they have other they saw guys. Thomas playing D tackle now. They're switching to a four. A four yeah, don't they have the Forrest Bunkner too? They have like a bunch of guys, so I was like, you know what? I don't think they need the Bosa. They'd rather get an Indy and and Quinn right, Williams. You know, prove me wrong there. I'm not. All right, I don't, you might have proven me wrong there. I you might have actually changed my mind. So good for you. But I mean, um, but you're not wrong because he could easily still go there, and then they could figure it's out. John Lynch, else. so nothing makes sense and everything forbidden. Like I don't know. Like I just make quote you know, the assassin's creed. John Lynch is thing. a guy that John Lynch is a guy where nothing makes sense, but it all makes sense at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> He's literally John Gruden without the cocaine. <laughs> Chucky, I don't even know if John Gruden even needs that crap. Anymore. John Gruden so, literally, so, I swear to God, wakes up in the morning, snorts coffee grounds, and like, let's rock. But uh, some <laughs> some uh, picks, though, that we definitely agreed on, and I, I don't see them not working out, is the Devin Bush to Tampa Bay. I love that. It just, it just seems like it's a good fit. He's Quan Alexander 2.0. He's athletic. He's quick. He's fe- he, he just fits their build. Yeah, I mean, it just he it. I mean, they. I, I said in my uh, in the my article or the, the article that he is the uh, Roquan Smith of this draft. He's the very like has all the. He's quick. He goes all the field. He's got the fit. He's just built like a like a like a new era linebacker. He's not no massive like. He's not like the Zach, no Patrick Zach Willis. Thomas kind of builds. Yeah. Uh, um, we also had Brian Burns, uh, Florida State going to Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know enough about Brian Burns, but like, I feel like he's gonna be one of those guys that gets drafted ahead of what I think. I feel uh, like he's guy. He's more potential and film, and like, it's you know, like it just works because the Falcons need a pass rush. Because all I got is Vic Beasley. 
And Courtney Upshaw is not really an edge guy. He's more of a tackle. So it, it makes sense for them. We also have DK Metcalf going to uh, Washington. Which he's could been, be a trade-up for Haskins if he's one of those. Like, you know what I mean? When we were saying if somebody's trading up for him, that I could see yeah, that. I only had that pick because the, I didn't see DK Metcalf falling out of the top 20. He's just such a monster. Well, and if he's there, the Redskins would take him. That's like I feel like that's a very Redskins-esque. Yeah. I mean, if they pass on him, I could still see Carolina grabbing him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just feel like the Giants is the reason why I drew Lock going to Giants. It feels like the Giants are treating this draft like the Browns treated the Brady Quinn and the Johnny Manziel tra- draft, where they had the top early pick, they took like a a need at a they position. They were two different drafts. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm saying, but the both years, the Brady Quinn year, Joe uh, Joe Thomas got drafted early, and then Brady Quinn got drafted 22nd. In the Johnny Manziel year, I forget who got drafted. I think it was like a cornerback from TCU, and he got drafted early, and then they took no, Johnny Manziel. No, it was Justin Gilbert. It was Justin yeah, Gilbert. Yeah, Justin Gilbert. Pretty from, sure. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, that's exactly it. Jesus, the fact that I remember that's embarrassing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was in the Big 12. <laughs> but uh, I, just, I and, knew exactly what pick you were referencing, too, because I wanted Gilbert going to Philly, and thank God we didn't take him. Yeah, because he, he's not – I don't even know if he's His hips were too tight, dude. He couldn't, well, he couldn't readjust on routes. Um, and then they took Johnny Manziel at the 22nd pick again. So I'm thinking the Giants are going to treat this kind of like why get – because if Haskins – it depends on what their board looks like. If Haskins is that much greater than Drew Locke or Will Greer or that Daniel Jones guy, like then take Haskins. But I don't see them being that high on Haskins when they can just take Drew Locke. And it's not like this year is a make-or-break year for a quarterback because there's such a good upcoming quarterbacks coming. So I feel like that's why – that's my theory behind that. Um Garrett Bradbury, the lineman, the Vikings need help offensive line because Kirk Cousins is he's a, he will the get interception broke. show. But that was funny though. After the Giants, the Vikings, Titans, uh, and Steelers, we all went the same direction. No, Steelers. Oh no, I Steelers were not. I had to kill Harry. Oh, that's right, that's right. I went linebacker there. No, there was one point I'm looking at right now. We had three in a row. I think it starts with the yeah Eagles, Colts, and then Raiders. We didn't get the same pick, but same position with you went Noah Fant late. I went or I went Noah Fant late. You went CJ Hawkinson late. So we just pretty much flip flop tight ends, which I thought was kind of. Fun. I thought Fant fit, fit better for what the uh, who did I have him going to? I think it was the Packers. Yeah, you had him with the Packers. I I feel like that's more of a Green Bay move. He's more of a, a downfield kind of guy. Well, Hawkinson's more of the bigger, more athletic type, yeah. I and mean, bigger blocker type. So uh, uh, I just when I had Fant fall that fall that far. And I just pictured Jared Cook, and he's a quick, like, receiving that's why I had fan, Well, I, that's why I had Fant going to the Packers, because, like, they had Jared Cook for a while. So, that's true. That's a good point. Um, but I but yeah. Dexter Lawrence going to the Chargers. I just think he, he should not fall out of the first round. He's such a good draft. He's such a good I know. Draft. I don't have him in my top. And I remember when uh, you sent me yours, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, man. That's where, like, it gets tough, because then you're like, I could have a guy like uh, the Packers take a – the corner or where did you have Hollywood Brown again? I can't remember. Didn't have, did have him in my top either. Wow. You didn't. Yeah. I just really see like, I love his explosives. I feel like a team would reach like the Packers. Well, I even say, get... yeah, I even literally said, I'm like, I said, I, I went with Akeem Butler to the Packers instead of Marquise Brown. And I said, but then again, it could go exactly the direction of Marquise Brown because it's a replacement for Randall Cobb. Exactly. So. And I, I just think Akeem Butler is a good pickup, but with Brown, he just gives you an inside guy who can literally blow the barn doors off a of defense, and it kind of fits what they were – because everyone's connecting Antonio Brown to the Packers, and then they never made any moves. 
Butler, Marquise Bronze, he's more like their guy because he is from a school that's known for just chucking the ball down the field. And Rodgers would love a guy who literally he throws the ball to him in this flat and can bust that out for 60 yards. Yeah, so I agree. I'm probably going to end up switching. I mean, Hakeem Butler, I, I just feel like Rodgers has never had, like, a big receiver. And then, and But then Nelson, again – Jordan Nelson's 6'4". Yeah, but he didn't play like a big receiver. He was just like a back shoulder kind of guy, and so is uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, and then again, Rodgers does have a big tight end receiver kind of guy, and uh, um, oh, what's his name? It's it's not. I shouldn't be leaving my head. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. And that didn't really work out because I don't think anybody knows how to throw the ball to Jimmy Graham other than Drew Brees. So well, very confused yeah. why the Saints won't get him back. I'm confused too. I don't know. Maybe he, him, and Breeze had a falling out. I'm not like, sure. Because then again, the Saints did trade him, so it wasn't like uh, a okay. I was a little. I mean, maybe I was reaching on this, but AJ Brown going to uh, um, what's it called New England. I just had to go with Farrell because he just he's literally. I even said I was like he's going to be there for three or four years. He's going to be really good, and then they're like, oh, we don't actually need you, and then they'll ship him away. I was like, like AJ Brown. Like they need to get. They need more guys to get the ball for Brady to get the ball to. They can't just keep picking up their Philip sets out of nowhere. Like they need guys. So. Well, then I'm pretty sure the Patriots receiver Malcolm Mitchell, who had like that kind of breakout part of the year, he just retired today too because injuries. So that's why my pick. I was like, you know what, the Patriots go for receiver first round. Yeah. So. Didn't they yeah, go out to Marshall in the first round like three years ago? Who. Uh, Patriots, some guy who like just never played up to his potential. They grabbed the guy in the first uh, receiver in the first one like four or five years ago. It was like a a route runner kind of guy and just never really panned out. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. I feel like it was Philip Dorsett, and then he got traded to the Colts, and then they pretty much sent him right back to the Patriots or something. But uh, uh, Dorsett got drafted by the Colts. I don't think he ever got drafted by the. Uh... No, it's some guy at a Marshall. I can't remember his name right now, but uh, I remember the pick. They're like, wow, it's boring as hell. Um. But yeah, no, that's our mock draft. Uh, read it. Here are explanations. Marks were more educated than mine. Mine were more of Mark was more leaning towards the prospect. Mine was more leaning towards the team uh, in a lot of ways. I did, which really... was good. That we, I mean, we could have said the same things. You know, what I mean, if we would have done the same type of uh, analysis. Yeah, I just looked um, for like what their player types were and what they fit as the schemes. I mean, the Nick Bosa thing. The, the, the Nick Bosa, you might have talked me into putting him a third because I was thinking about it now. I mean, like, I forgot about DeForest Buckner and, uh, what was it, Solomon Thomas is their other big guy. They yep. got and they drafted him, like, third overall, like, And he was a great ago. player last two years. So, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, all right. But now we got to talk NCAA. So, you got about, I don't know, about 20, 10, 15 minutes left on the clock here. So, first off, we got to talk Duke and UCF. Ugh. So mad. I so <laughs> I was so happy. Yo, coward, shut up. Um, Mr. Well, Brady, one, I want to win money. In, I don't in, care. I want Duke to crash and burn. I root for anarchy, and Duke losing to UCF is anarchy. I love it. It, it was just crazy because it never felt like – I never at one point until pretty much the end. Like it never – even though Duke was only up a couple points, I was like, there's no way UCF ends up winning this. And it just kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going, and then they were down. Craziest plays, uh, the series of events of plays happened with, um, what's it called, missing that three. Trey Jones misses a three. 
UCF has a wide open alley-oop, which I don't know what happened. He just missed the ball. I, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and they go down, they shoot a three, they make it. it and then it, it was just a great game overall. The, it, it had it was probably one of the more of exciting and most memorable games of this tournament because there hasn't been that crazy of a tournament I, if I would have to say so. I mean it's been pretty chalk, no like buzzer beaters really. Um, but yeah, and the, did you see that picture of Taco Fall next to Zion? It, it's crazy. He it looks like he's standing next to my nine year old cousin. It doesn't even look real. It looks like Zion's at the end of the court. It's yeah, crazy. I know. Because Zion was going, he went after him and. I mean, Taco Fall technically could get a foul called on every single time because he just stands down low and puts his hands up, but sometimes puts him down. Like, but he would get fouled out instantly. Um, but yeah, I I just you know what, I'm still like the thing was at the end of the game, I just it just didn't feel like you get one of those vibes like oh no, you say yourself they just you just didn't get a vibe that Duke was gonna lose, and. I'm just I'm it just I keep reiterating Duke is not unbeatable. Everyone keeps thinking like all these teams they just they get so close and they shoot themselves in the foot. I'm just waiting for that one team to just say why are we playing to Duke's level? Let's just chuck a three, go back to what we do best, chuck threes and let's get it going. And um yeah. I could so see like who who they play this this round. They play um they play Indiana. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. I can still see Vatek, just who's a team very familiar, going in and just being like, all right, we're just going to attack Duke. Didn't Virginia Tech beat Duke? No, no. The Virginia. That was the one I got called on by your boy. I mean, not, I mean, not no. Um, Duke only lost to Gonzaga, North Carolina twice. twice. Okay, yeah. So. Um, and then they lost. But this they lost more games, but that was without Zion. Yeah, so Virginia Tech, I can see them just, you know, like they know Duke, they know what they're about. I think, I mean, I don't think this is, I think next, their next game against Michigan State is going to be the game that could be like Tom Izzo could get, like, get one over on uh, Shushevsky if, if Michigan State can make it past LSU. But I, I, I don't know, I just, you know, Duke cracks me up a little bit. I was going to say, so I'm surprised that LSU team, but keep going. So many. And I'm just looking at the bracket, yo. Except for a five and a twelve, there is it's all chalk, baby. Oh, the five and twelves were like almost all opposite. Dude, Wisconsin lost, which everyone kind of sensed, but I I felt bad watching Ethan Happ's last game. You could say he realized it was all over. Um, but Oregon's a team to Oregon can very well beat Virginia too. And if speaking Oregon of Virginia, Virginia, Oregon could so knock off Virginia. Speaking of Virginia, holy moly, did they try to do it again? I just I can't yo I keep we keep reiterating this with Virginia and nobody believes us. Virginia is such so susceptible to games in the tournament because they don't play a very energized style of basketball. And the problem is when you don't play a very fast style of basketball and you slow the game down, teams are less susceptible to make turnovers because they don't get in their own heads. And I mean Oklahoma, they beat Oklahoma by twelve, but it was a lot closer than it looked. And I'm just I don't know I just. I, I, Oregon has a serious shot here, and I'm like really wait. If if they don't, I know Purdue or Tennessee is gonna light them up like a freaking Christmas tree. So it was. I will never like. I didn't wasn't watching the beginning of the uh, Virginia game because there's other games on, and I was in shock 
that they were down like 14 at one point in the first half. They're down six at the end of the first half. And then actually finally woke up. Do you imagine like being Kyle Guy and like Ty Jerome and like all those guys that were there last year for it being like, no way this is happening again. <laughs> like this is no, this is not possible. There's like better chances to win the lottery than the 16th seed to lose two years in a row. I just, you know what? Virginia's Virginia, their style. I'm telling you, it's so susceptible to underdogs because the how, why is North Carolina and Duke rarely get oh, more or less North Carolina because you rarely see them lose to a really bad seed. It's because they play so fast and it gets in teams' heads. You saw yesterday with Washington. Washington was within eight, but then North Carolina was like, all right, we're just going to start running the ball down your throat and we're just going to keep attacking. And North Carolina stomps them by 30. And the thing is, like, that's that's why – because, like, those teams that are like, oh, oh my God, we're in this game and we can play our game. And they're calm. They're cool and collect against teams like Virginia – and teams like formerly Duke before Zion, who was a very half-court centric team, that's why he used to lose uh, upsets all the time in the tournament. It's because when you play a very half-court centric game, teams can slow the ball down. Coaches can coach more. Transition basketball is chaos. It is just every man for himself, full-out speed. You got guys like Kobe White and formerly my boy Joel Berry running down the court like a ro- like a rocket and just weaving in and out of defenders. And oh look, there's a guy catching an alley oop. Oh oh god, here we go. We're down by two again. It's yeah. very, very hard to stay calm and, and very collected during that chaos. But in a half-court game, which is what Virginia loves to play, dude, Mark, you could just pull up and be like, all right, run X, Z, T, Z, O, or whatever the hell the play is. And, oh, look, we got an open shot. And there's another open shot. Oh, look, we're in this game. We can play with these guys. Yeah. <clears throat> So I agree. I mean, like I said, Virginia scared everyone for, I mean, I kind of want to see it happen again. Gardner Webb actually looked like an athletic team. I was surprised that they even got thrown the 16 spot because there were some bad 15 and 14 seeds. Um, but we'll move on to another, a 12 seed that has the number two pick in the NBA draft, depending on who gets the number two spot. But if it's like the sun, Ja Morant. Oh, I was so sad to see him go down. I mean, they just ran into it. Like, when they played against Marquette, Marquette is uh, not as, a, as an athletic team as one Murray State, two Florida State. But John Morant and all – I don't think, I couldn't even name you one more player on that uh, Murray State team. But he balled out. He got a triple-double, which is insane. And he's not like, like – the comparisons to Russ are there because of his athletic ability. But he does he's not Baron play. Baron Davis. Yeah, that's what who I think who some somebody Joy said. Joy Taylor that. said that. Joy Taylor, I knew I should have. I knew it because she said that, and she's right. Like he's got all the athletic. He's ability a hybrid of Baron Davis meets Russell Westbrook because he's a lot more athletic than Davis was, but he's got the pure passing ability that T- Joy Taylor talked about. Well, he's not it's selfish. Just the difference. He's not selfish. I mean, Russell, I don't even think is selfish. I think Russell just gets tunnel vision. Yeah. And you and me will go argue about Russell Westbrook for a half hour, but we're not going to do that today to the to our our listeners. But I just I look at. Morant, he's he's such a good hybrid of all the best things of Westbrook and Baron Davis. So I I want to see him wearing Timberwolves blue in in November, which would be great. But that all depends on if Adam Silver can do Minnesota solid here. Um, but yeah, he I, he played like I said. I was just impressed that he didn't come out there and try to like show off to the world that he's like this because nobody really talked about him until tournament time. I mean, um, he, he, there was there was some hype, but you had to go into like different like spots to find them. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, the thing is, is that, like I said, he played just his game, didn't worry about it. 
He made Marcus Howard, who I kept calling Jordan Howard in the last pod, but uh, Marcus Howard on the on Marquette, he just made him look like he was trash pretty much. I mean, Mark, I still think he put up like 20-some points, but, I mean, he's got the best of job, and that team just ran. And then they ran into Florida State, who's one of the more athletic teams in the tournament, and they just ran even more than Marquette, and there's only so much job Morant can do in that case. It did suck to see them get killed. Um, that was kind of, like, unfortunate. I wish that was a little bit better of a game, but – um, yeah, I was happy. I think John Morant, as much as I wanted it to be a longer run that he had, I think he still made a good presence in the tournament. I think he did enough to solidify himself as the number two pick. Because, like, seriously, who even – I even might even start thinking about taking Cam Reddish over R.J. Barrett at this point. Because he would. shows more – he shows more, like, potential as in like, – yeah, R.J. Barrett's guy, he's got the the size. He's – He's going to probably fill out. That's why right, I think Moran. Uh, let's go hypotheticals. My Timberwolves get the third pick. I want Cam Reddish. You know why? Reddish can play the two guard. He, whoever, like point guard, whatever, who we have playing next year, literally you just put Reddish. Reddish can just bomb threes. He doesn't even need to attack the basket half the time. And that would fit in the NBA, or this new NBA, where R.J. Barrett is so dependent on his left and can barely shoot the ball half the time. So, yeah, I completely agree with that take. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I still think overall – R.J. Barrett will figure it out in the long run and end up being better. He needs to stay another year, but he won't. So. I mean, I don't blame him, though. If you're going to go guarantee top five, there's there's really no point in staying because you'll figure it out somewhere once you get to the top – as long as like, you're a top ten player, like, I think like Nazir Little, if he, if he plays – like he unfortunately, he got stuck behind Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams. Like he wasn't going to play, and yeah. he knew that. But him and Kobe White next year – God, that's a terrifying. Thing. I don't. Terrifying Kobe throw. White might sneak out and pull a Divincenzo like the, for Villanova last year. Who he didn't. Nobody thought he was going to leave, but he got some talks. And he, I could see Kobe White leaving after one year. I feel like Kobe White is so young and, play, and he's just so out of control sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I feel like Roy Williams is like in his ear, like, listen, you could be the best point guard in the nation next year if you just let your game develop. I think him and Nasir Little next year will probably both stay. Just because I think Nasir Little wants to solidify himself as a top five pick. He knows what kind of money he can get. And if he goes 25, I mean, yeah, he might play for a great team, but he might just disappear into the rotation. I also think that if they if, if they win, I think Kobe White leaves. If they don't win at all, I think Kobe White stays. I feel like it wouldn't really matter. I feel, I mean, it would help if they won a title, but like if they don't, if they, if, I could also see them stay and want to repeat. So yeah. I don't know. Um, so keep going, March Madness, and some video and um, some people that stirred up a lot of drama and craziness, and as we like to say on air, hoopla, hoopla. Tom Izzo went off on this. Right, I'm gonna hold off on my take on this until the last call, so I'll let you run with this one. All right, so I'm gonna dive in on it a little bit. Izzo going off on his player, like it was. It was it was it was intense. Like he was in the dude's face, like screaming, like I've never seen. Like my my dad kind of used to do it when I was younger, but uh, see coaches was, in high school yell at me like that. Yeah, I mean it was crazy, like intense. Uh, they're even in the circle when the timeout, and he gets up and like it was really cool to see like Cassius Winston and um, McQuaid kind of like the seniors calm him down, like he's fine. Like, but there's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If you listen to SV, SVP's take, he's like. These kids that go to Michigan State know what they're getting into with Izzo. You can even say that about, like, my Mountaineers, and they know what they're getting into with Huggins because he's almost worse. Or even, or even old Southern Roy who's, like, jumping and screaming like the Mad Hatter on the court you know, when they were losing. 
But so, like, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's it's just coaching. It's the way he does it. Some say he's overrated because they haven't really done much in the recent since years. Jason Richardson's team. Yeah. So um, um, I mean, I'll hold off on my take to the last part when we kick the smooth jazz, but. Yeah, so Izzo going off. I think everyone needs to calm down. It's not like he, he didn't hit the kid. He just screamed at him, and I'm pretty sure he called a play for him the very next time. And, like, he kids go there for not one year. Even Miles Bridges, who could have got drafted, like, possibly top ten, stayed for another year. Like, kids want to be coached by him. Like, they enjoy the toughness. Izzo they go there knowing it. He's yeah. a basketball. He's up there. If you want to do Mount Rushmore basketball coaches, you've got some of the, the old Kentucky coach. can't remember his name right now. The one who was in Glory Road, uh, Adolph Rump. You've got Shashevsky, Bob Knight, Roy Williams. You've got Tom Izzo. You've got I don't even throw Calipari possibly on there. Um, you've got some of these great coaches of all time, and you kind of have to be like, if you're going to Michigan State, like okay, so let's say I'm like a basketball from a point guard coming out of my high school, and I'm like I get offers from Michigan State, Washington, and Gonzaga. I'm going Michigan State. I get to play for Tom Izzo in a program that develops guards. Are you kidding me? I want to play for a guy who's going to make me a man by the time I get to the NBA. So I'm all for it. And that's what these guys go for. It's not, and I'm going to, I'm, I don't want to go too far either deeper because I want to save this for my last rant, but let's keep going. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think, I mean, Izzo's a good coach. I just don't think he, I think he is a little overhyped just because of he had that run and he, he's won, uh, he's been the, the final four appearances. But recently, I don't think he's been living up to his, uh, hype. But anyways, uh, so that is really all I have main topics for the tournament. Um, I guess you could really just we could dive into a little bit of just like kind of crazy games. I was surprised. I, I was all aboard on the Belmont train. They blew it against Maryland, but then blew it against LSU. I was so pissed at that. And then my service kicked out because my, my provider doesn't carry that uh, TBS. All right, I didn't sign up for TBS for my, my streaming package. So I didn't get to watch the game. My phone I was so mad. Um, I was driving home from Delaware and I'm like, Oh, I'm sitting in the truck, like shotgun. And I'm, I'm sitting in this truck in the shotgun seat. I'm like, Oh man, I want to watch this game right now. But you know, what are you going to do? But all right. So folks, we talked about it already, but let's kick smooth jazz first. We talked about SVP brought this up before and politics aside and what you believe in, our generation, me and Mark are both 20, I'm 24, Mark's 23, turning 24 soon. Our generation has a problem. And and the media does not help us at all. And uh, being members of the media, I'm sick of this crap. And I am so sick of everyone coming. This player was not crying. Like, it, I got to give this player credit. Mark, what was the player's name again? Um, uh, the Michigan State kid? Yeah. I want to say something Baker. Yeah, maybe something like that. He's a freshman. He's a young kid. But I would – so when I was younger, I played on a very competitive travel baseball team when I was in, I was like 13 years old, my first time doing this. And I was start, starting first baseman. And I used to mess up all the time. And one time, my coach – I didn't run out of fly ball. And my coach made me sprint down the line. I didn't run down the line. The kid, the kid like, the coach, ex-Navy guy, came down screaming at me, pulled me into the dugout. Made me do push-ups till I was crying in the dugout. This is 13 years old, a little chubby fat kid. And it made me tougher because I – because the world is not going to – like these kids – Tom Izzo's preparing these guys to be men. And this whole self-entitled bullshit that the media's like, oh, they shouldn't be yelling at the kids. It's, it's, it's the same argument about the participation trophy BS. 
And I'm not going to go into the, oh, everyone's like, but our generation is being called to be soft. So shout out to Tom Izzo for putting this kid in his place. It is the tournament. Those my bad coach, the, oh, my bad coach, that my bad coach is to get you a national title. That my bad coach gets you cut from an NBA team. And that's what he's teaching this guy. It's the tournament. It's one and done. One turnover could blow the momentum. And the whole game's over. Like, they could go... I think they're playing... Um, Mich- who are they playing next next game? I can't remember who they're playing now. But one game... One missed my bad coach on a turnover that leads to, like, an emphatic dunk on the other end could blow their entire tournament right there. So, shout out to... Tom Izzo, again, for being a coach that I would want, being a coach that I think Mark would want as well. You don't go, you can't coddle these players because it's not going to help them in the long run. You shouldn't coddle any, like, I. that's why I respected my high school coaches. You know how many times I went offside or, like, and got called for false starts as a left tackle in high school? I probably had, like, four or five in weeks consecutively, I blew a call. Sometimes most times in the game, my coach yelled at me, screamed at me during film, and it made me want to get better. And that's what it should be. Not, oh, it's okay to screw up. No, it's not okay to screw up. Because you could just could have just lost your team the game. Oh, look, there's your tournament chances. You could have screwed your boy's draft stock, your teammate's draft stock. And these guys got to realize they are now turning into men, and men got to realize there's consequences to actions. And good for Tom Izzo for showing that. That's what I got. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, you got anything else? No, I think that wraps up me. We didn't really dive into I don't think we did. I can't even remember. We didn't talk about Trout, right? We don't really have to, but... Well, I mean, yeah, Trout got a giant contract. He's not going to Philly. Oh, boo It's a little irrelevant to when it came out because, we didn't, like I said, we didn't. We took a break from the... We took a podcast off because of the tournament. Um, and also because I was not in the state. Yeah. I was actually like, literally, like I think, like an hour from where you were. I looked at the snap map. I'm like, oh, I'm really close to Mark right now. I didn't think about Delaware. Yeah, that is probably pretty close. I was I was on the south shore of Delaware, but like driving back, I was like, oh, look how close I am. We drove right through Philly. Trust. Yes. All right. So that about wraps it up, folks. A little longer episode, catching up from all the crap we missed last week, all the hoopla. Um, so we'll be back on Thursday. Please check out the mock draft. Also, dropping this week, the, the corner booth. Instagram and Facebook pages. Like and I think subscribe. I don't know what the hell you do with Facebook anymore. Um, yeah, but follow on Facebook. There you go. But yeah, so seriously, that's what we're dropping. Uh, I'm putting those up tomorrow, and uh, it's gonna be fun. So a lot of uh, all our snippets will be on there. We'll be me and Mark will do a lot more videos, IGTV, fun stuff. And of course, the Facebook page just so you can get our articles, our things faster. You know, belly up can get a lot of jumble, but if you get it through us on our corner booth page. You're, you know you're getting our content because you know how much you guys love us. So that about wraps it up. I'm Jared. That's Mark. Peace. This episode of The Corner Booth has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow your host on Twitter at Belly Up Jared and at Mark Riley. 